a happy happy Mother's Day. I know it's not uh, proper in this crazy day that we're living in to call them mothers because the woke society wants to call them the birthing person. Yeah, nuts. People are insane, aren't they? Birthing person, yeah. So probably next year by this time, Mother's Day will be changed to Birthing Person Day. And while I'm at it, anybody wants to know where I stand on abortion? I'm quite simple, okay? Very simple. I'm just glad my mother didn't believe in abortion. I'm also glad Moses' mother didn't believe in abortion. Are you glad your mother didn't? Really? So I wonder if all these people packing signs wish their mother would have believed in it. I wonder how many scientists, singers, musicians, spokesmen, maybe somebody that held the cure for cancer, and we've killed millions of them. Amen. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord, Brother Donnie, you're going to get us killed. So we say Happy Mother's Day, mothers. You're not a birthing person to us. You are the fifth gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and mother. If your mother's alive, give her a big hug. Call her today. If you can't take her out to eat, take her out one day this week. Let her know how much you love her and appreciate her. Now, let's read today from Isaiah 52.13. And we will certainly continue our appreciation of our mothers, of course, but we want to change a little bit on the service and look at our Father. Isaiah 52.13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and very high. 
as many were astonished at thee. His visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. The word there, marred, is disfigured, contorted, twisted. His visage was marred more than any man. His form more than the sons of man. This is Isaiah, of course, speaking of the Lord Jesus. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The king shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see. And that which they had not heard shall they consider. I mean, I'd like to be remembered today as we pray and ask the Lord's blessing on the word. A friend of mine, uh, Brother Alan Bryant, his brother, Brother Nathan, was here with us a couple Wednesday nights ago. But Brother Alan, Sister Denise, they have a granddaughter that's very sick and got a, a bacteria in her body and they've been treating it with some pretty powerful antibiotics and uh, they thought it was gone, but they had to take her back to Philadelphia again to the hospital and if it doesn't um, be taken care of, she has a port, have to remove the port, quite a complicated type situation. So he texted me this morning and asked if we would also remember her. Let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that we can come to you with our petitions, our requests, our desires. And we're thankful, Father, that even sometimes we may come and they may be selfish. You don't beat us over the head and you don't cast us out, but you want to just discipline us when we pray selfishly or ask for things that are self-centered. So we're praying today, Father, that you would help us. We thank you, Lord, for all of our mothers. Mine been gone on for a long time. I wish I would be able to call her today, be able to take her out to eat somewhere. But I pray those who still have theirs, may they appreciate her and love her. Don't mean she's a perfect mother, but help them to realize she is the only one they'll ever have. We might gain friends and lose them, gain all kinds of things and lose them. And we might be able to replace them, but we'll never be able to have another mother or father. So, Lord God, we ask that you'd be mindful of us today. Lord, I pray for all these hands that was uplifted, these requests. I pray, Father, for Lord, little Peyton, you see her need there, Father, back in the hospital again and running tests and things. We're praying for your mercy to her, Lord God. We also ask that you'd be mindful of Brother Mike Johnson's family and friends, that you'd comfort them and help them, Lord. We know that our loss is heaven's gain but we're asking that you would help us during these times. We commit the service to you. I pray that you'd help me, Lord, help me, that I can get out of the way, that you can speak through me today. Take me, Lord God, and help me to be what you want me to be yielded to you in this service, I ask, in the name of Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated.
Last Sunday, we took a trip down to the potter's house to be able to look at the way God speaks sometimes to his prophets, sometimes in symbols, sometimes in natural things to get a spiritual message out of it. And we saw Jeremiah as he went down into the valley there of Hinnom. And as he walked through the places where there would have been so much smoke, so much fire and heat, and also the refuse of the vessels that had not made it, the wasters, as it's called, in the kill. And God could have showed him a vision of all this had he wanted to. God could have simply verbally gave it to him, but God wanted to impress upon him something that would be so real. God loves visual, and I know myself, I like visual about things. And whenever we can look and see the scripture that we read, it was in Isaiah's prophecy of the coming Messiah. They had it in their minds of what they thought he would be. The first prophetic utterance about him was by God himself. Genesis 3 identified him as a serpent bruiser, as a son of David, as the man whose name is the branch. Haggai 2.7, the desire of all the ages. So they called him one thing and another and another. And they had taken these prophecies and put them together of what they thought he would be. You can imagine when he came, he was so different than what they thought because they had left out some of these. Without insight, how could they understand it? They was looking for a great mighty general and God gave them a baby. They were looking for a mighty conqueror, but God gave them a child that was born under the reproach of being illegitimate in the way the world looked at it. Today it's common, but it certainly wasn't very common then. It was very much hated and despised and rejected. But to me, as I was awakened early this week, before daylight and the Lord began to deal with me about this and I realized an aspect of the potter's house that was beyond just you and I. And I know sometimes that our lives become so confusing. We, we go through things and we're, we're trying to understand where we are what's happening. And I think that we get in our mind that we achieve this status and we are molded a little bit, we go into the kill and then we're set up as it were as a museum piece for people to look at. And there we stay the rest of our lives. But as I begin to look at this a little bit more this week, I realize that that's not quite the way that it is. The great potter 
himself knows what it's like to actually be devastated. He actually knows what it's like for his entire being to be so rearranged and changed by none other than himself. He knows exactly what it's like when you are one thing and then you are changed to something that is so different. He knows the pain, the anxiety, the stress. He himself knows what it's like to be rejected, misunderstood, to be hated. And as I preached this last Sunday, I was only going to preach one service on it, but apparently the Lord wanted more said. And by the emails and texts that I've got from last Sunday service, apparently it was very needed. But I'd like to draw your attention again to the setting of Jeremiah. And whenever we look at this setting, we see that Jeremiah saw this work that was on the potter's wheels, plural. I saw a work on the potter's wheels. Now, the big one, as we demonstrated to you last week, was the one kicked with the potter's feet. It would have a shaft in the middle of it, another smaller wheel on top, and the work itself would set there. So both of them was identified with the work. And it's clear to see that what Jeremiah saw was not a sinner that was being picked up out of the world. It was not a person that was unregenerate or lost that was being placed on the potter's wheel. For the work in the potter's hands had been there for some time. So it wasn't a sinner that maybe there's one year today and they'll come and give their heart to God. It was not, that was not the scene that Jeremiah saw. But he actually saw a lump of clay that had been transformed it had been trodden out by the feet of the potter. The element of impurities that had been removed as well as they could at that time. He saw the wetting of the hands and the shaping of the clay. We don't know how long that the potter had worked on this piece, but suddenly he looked at it and he realized that the piece was not achieving what he wanted it to do. So the potter simply takes it into his hands in a destructive manner. Now, before he's molding, so it's complementary. He's adding, he's shaping, he's changing. No, no display of destruction. No display of a negative modification of what's going on. Everything positive, everything good, everything shaped to take on the image. And let me assure you this morning that there is no flaw in the hands of our great potter. Amen. There is no flaw in the heart purpose 
of our great potter. So when he looks at a work and he decides to tear it to pieces, it's not because he thought something different. Oh, you know what? Maybe I should not make it that way. Maybe instead of making it a bowl, I should make it an urn. Maybe I should make it a taller pitcher with a handle. He can have no new thought. But there must have been an element of impurity. It might have been oxide. It might have been the clay. The consistency was, was too much. But there was something about the clay that was flawed that did not yet match this image. Huh. Isaiah 53, 3. He is despised. The word despised means hold in contempt, disdain, to be despicable, to be vile and worthless. This is your Savior. Despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. Again, he says, he was despised and we esteemed him not. So what do we see of this prophecy? We see the great potter himself forecasting of a day when he would become a human being. He, unlike us, would mold his own body on the molding wheel of time. He would allow himself to be molded in this way, why would he ever choose a, a character despicable, worthless, despised? We esteemed him not, looked down upon, beaten, disfigured. The Lord Jesus was so beaten and so whipped, there has never been another mortal that was as disfigured as he was. And what, what, what was the occasion? For the great potter needed a vessel that would bear the shame and the reproach. You see, the Logos had been shaped before, way back before angels were ever made before there was a moon, sun, or stars, the Logos came out of this great light and it was the Father's first visible image. But it didn't look like what we see here. It was in this realm and sphere of such glory, such wonder, such awe, but now Father God takes this same Logos and puts it on the wheel to remold it 
to reshape it because now he needs a vessel to look like this. I know some of you have lost husbands, wives, children. My mind today goes up Interstate 81 and we'll cross over into Virginia. We'll get off there, make a left, go down by the gas station. We wind back through the four lane. We'll drive for 45 minutes or so. We'll make another left-hand turn. We'll come up to the home of a mother and father who had to bury their son not too long ago. They never thought they'd ever be at home today with that young son missing. Some of you go home after church today by yourself. Your husband's gone. You go home by yourself, Brother Tom. Sister Mary, not there. What happens? When everything seems to be going so good, you get married and you have children and you raise them and you enter into those golden years where you're able to, the nest is empty and you're kind of glad it is. And, <laughs> unless they move back in with you. I love my kids at a distance. I mean, if I lived in Vanderbilt, you know, they might be big enough for all of us to live together. But other than that, I'm glad they've got their own home. Just teasing. But then God takes a life of a person and he reaches down and he pulls a wife or he pulls a husband. And you say, no, this is not supposed to be happening. This, was, this is what we've planned for. This is what we've talked about. We've had so many trips planned. We had so much in our bucket list. And then you realize your bucket is turned upside down and your list is gone. And you say, why? How could it be? Papa has you on the wheel again, my brother. My sister. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. I want you to notice the prophet Isaiah does not attribute the smiting to the Romans. He does not attribute the affliction to the Jews, the smiting to the Jews, but to God. So what is this picture? The potter once again at work. It looks horrible. It looks awful. I can see him as they take him there and 
They would tie their hands up higher than their head. And two Roman soldiers, one on one side and one on the other, and take their cat of nine tails and with all of their might begin to whip them with the pieces of metal and glass tied at the end of their whip. And they wouldn't just hit them, but they would pull. They were professionals. And when they would pull, they would go down into the strips of their back, their meat would come off of there. Get down into the sinews and muscles in the back. Does that look like a vessel of honor to you? But in reality, did we need the Logos? There were these hands tied to the whipping post. Did we need light? You couldn't whip light. You couldn't whip glory. In reality, we needed this vessel. And sometimes when God begins to reshape our lives, it's one of the most devastating times we've ever been through. Is that right, Sister Shane? And yet for those that are untrained, they will look at it and they think, God is so mean and God could have done this and could have done that. That's right, he could have. But he has a greater purpose. Sometimes he has a greater yes than answering when we pray for a certain thing. Oh, how I love to preach about him in his glory. This part is very hard on me because I am a visual person. When I preach this, I don't, it may seem crazy to you, but when I preach this, I'm standing there. When they rip the skin out of his back and the drops of blood are flying everywhere because of my makeup and my mind, the blood is on my face. The blood is on my garment. But in reality, I did not need a pillar of fire. I did not need a great flash of lightning. I needed a body, a human body of pottery that Father could take his judgment out upon this one human being so that I could stand here today and say, I am set free. Isaiah says, we, but he was wounded for our transgressions. You can't wound the pillar of fire. You can't wound a light. You see, friend, when I tell you that God understands the way you feel when your world has been turned upside down, I'm not saying that just to try to make you feel better. I'm saying it because it's the truth. No matter what you've had taken from you and what God in his wisdom would allow to come in your past that will leave you the rest of your life changed. Some of you widows and widowers, your lives will never be the same again. 
Some of you that have lost children. Some of you that maybe lost a, a man, as you'd call her, a grandmother, a grandfather. Some that have lost pastors. And you say, well, how, uh, how could that be the will of God? How can it be? And you say, I'll never be the same. I'll never enjoy life again. Oh, but you see, there's where you're wrong. If the Papa, if the Papa God, your Potter Father, worked this in the life of yours that is placed upon the earth, if you will let him, he will remold you and bring out something about you that was not there before the event happened. Amen. Am I saying the tears will stop? I am not. Am I saying that even after this service today, you'll walk out of this door and it'll never bother you again? I am not. But I am saying to you, our Potter Father makes no mistakes. And if he takes something from your life that is so valuable and so precious that you love so much, it has to be for a divine purpose. Look at our beloved Savior. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace. So look at all these verbs. Stricken, smitten, afflicted, wound, bruised, chastised, striped. Look at all the horrific pain and suffering that was placed upon him. Why? No doubt Peter, James, and John, Pete John, the only one that we know of that actually stood at the cross and saw the extent of this suffering, and the rest of them heard about it. How they say, how could this be? How could this be the will of God? This can't be the will of God. Oh, we look back and say, yes, it was. But if you'd have been standing there that day at the foot of the cross, you want to tell me, you'd have said, praise God, go ahead and die, Lord Jesus. I need it. You'd have stood there just like they did, confused, perplexed, wondering how, we, we thought this was him. We thought this was him. We thought this was the will of God. But which looked more glorious to the natural eye? The virgin birth? walking on water, raising the dead, taking a couple of fishes and some loaves and feeding 5,000 or tied to a whipping post and screaming to your pains would have been heard through the outer court of the Gentiles. And by the time they hang him on the cross, his body is in such pain and suffering and his muscles jerking and twitching. He must have been so disfigured, he looked more like a butchered animal instead of a human being. Why would God do such? He needed a vessel like this. Did it stop the pain of the Lord Jesus? Did it stop his crying? Paul tells us in the book of Hebrews, it was heard that he feared. The Lord Jesus feared. 
couldn't do that in the form of the Logos. He couldn't do that in the form of light. He couldn't do that in the form of a pillar of fire or a pillar of cloud. So God had to put himself on the wheel and reshape himself and make him so human that he could cry and jerk and quiver and ask one of the most powerful words that humans ever ask. Why? My God, my God, why? Why? I don't understand. Why hast thou forsaken me? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. Now look, we're adding more. I say, isn't that enough? He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He's broad as a lamb to the slaughtered as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. Here you go. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. So Father God had to lay the Logos, the pillar of fire, the Shekinah, the glory on the wheel and take clay and wrap around the deity and put blood in the clay, sinew and tissues, tear ducts, all the human anatomy because God needed a vessel that could be whipped, be stricken, be smitten, be killed, and be raised again. (laughs) Hallelujah! Calvary was not the end. The tomb was not the end. But before there could be a resurrection, there had to be a smiting. Before there could be that great morning, there had to be something that would pay such a complete price. He would close out the book of the Old Testament and would cause a resurrection. An ascension, as you would, that would take the book of the believers of the Old Testament and seal them away, pointing to the time when that precious blood would be shed. Oh, Look at the pain. Notice, he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, for he has put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. 
for he shall see his seed. That's me. How many can say that's me? He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Oh, I think of a dear friend of mine that has been serving the Lord for so many, many years. Preacher. Preaching the message for decades. No doubt he had in his mind what he thought his latter years would be. Him and his wife would get old together, enjoy their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. But a few years ago, there was an interruption in that plan. God placed my dear brother on that potter's wheel again. Now that dear brother still goes back and plays the funeral service of his precious beloved wife. Why? The loss is still there. Because God didn't have a finished work when Brother Homer Longoria and his wife had reached this time in their life. But God had an ongoing work. Brother Homer and Sister Margie was not killed, put into the museum of God, both raised at the same time. I'm sure it wasn't in Brother Homer's plans to live these years by himself. As I sat with my little buddy just a couple of weeks ago, Brother Tim, tears trickling out of his eyes and him telling me, I never thought I'd have to live this life a widower. I would to God I'd had something I could said. I would to God I could find some type of words that had enough power to be able to go into a broken heart like that and help them. You know what I'm saying, don't you? Because you've felt the same way. You've come by and shook the hands of those that have lost a dear loved one and I'm so sorry and I'm praying for you and you feel like those words are just, they're just so puny and so frail. And we say, God, why? God, why? And then let's be honest today, there's an element of fear that probably grips nearly every heart sitting here. I fear your mama might be taken from me, your husband, your wife, a child, because there's always that uncertainty about the will of God in our lives. Brother Donnie, does it bother you? Yes, it does. And I hope and pray I never have to leave Carol. I hope Carol never has to leave me. But if that's part of my life or part of her life, I believe he will give us grace when we're set upon that wheel to be reshaped into something else. But friends, this is the thing. As I felt the Lord dealing with me this week about this, for those of you who have stood in this spot and you may think, my life has changed forever. For that I agree with. But it doesn't mean your purpose is over. 
simply being reshaped and remolded into another aspect of the plan of God. I think sometimes in one way it's harder for the sisters when their husbands are gone because a man being the head of the home and if he's a real man, he does so much in the home and around the home and this and that and the wife, you know, she's just not called to get out there and do some of this stuff. And when her husband is taken from her, puts in this dilemma, she don't know what to do. She don't know how to take care of this and how to take care of that and how to fix this and that and the other. But I believe according to God's word that my father makes no mistakes. How many believes that with me? I want you to notice the setting here. In Jeremiah 18.3, he said, Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. Notice now he's not stooping down into the barn lot, as it were, and picking up a lost vessel. But it is a vessel that the potter has been working on. Has something he showed special favor toward it. It's not a new work, as it were, that he just reaches over and gets a brand new piece of clay there, and you know, I don't know who you are, I haven't had any dealings with you, but he wrought a work. So he wrought a work on the wheels, and the vessel that he made of clay, notice this word, and this is what the Lord spoke to me early Tuesday morning, was this word right here, marred. And as the Spirit of God spoke to me early Tuesday morning, he began to quicken to me the scripture in Isaiah about the visions of the Lord Jesus was so marred. And then, I hope you understand, when I was laying there, the Spirit of God started putting it together for me that God himself must be marred in humanity in order to feel the pain of his children. I know sometimes when people lose a loved one and everybody's different, we know how that, that we're all made up different and people grieve differently, we know that. Some people, you know, they look at it and think if a person grieves in public and open that it's a real shame and a disgrace and so on, especially for some of us men. We want to portray that we're this great macho, you know, type of a guy. But let me show you the greatest man that ever lived. He come up to the tomb of a friend of his. He could have grieved in private, for he was several miles from where they called him to the tomb itself. But instead of grieving in private and then standing up there and acting like a preacher or you know whatever he's supposed to be, he waits till he gets at the tomb of his friend and then he starts grieving then. He grieved in such a way, in such an open expression that the people who didn't even believe in him said how he loved him. Could not this man that healed the sick and done this and that and the other, could not he move for Lazarus and kept Lazarus from dying? There, my brothers, is a real man. So you see, for men who feel like they've got to hide all this and bottle it all up, grieving is part of closure. And our Lord Jesus showed us men how to cry. 
Well, come on, some of you brothers. Can you say amen or not? Any of y'all think you're bigger than him? Well, I'm such a private person. Yeah, your privacy is going to keep you away from your healing if you're not careful. The Bible tells me to make your requests known. How are you going to do that if you're so private? You don't want nobody to know nothing about it. We might need to check our makeup by the scripture and make sure we're not breaking scripture in order to keep the idolatry of ourself. Well, preach, Brother Donald. Now, you know, whenever we look at such a picture, and Jeremiah says, and the vessel that he made of clay, the vessel that he made of clay. So the potter made this vessel. He put work into this vessel and he spent time and thought and consideration dipping his hands in the water and allowing the moisture to constantly come into that and reshape and make it pliable, malleable, where he can be able to bend it. But there was something about it. The vessel that he made of clay was marred and where was it marred? It wasn't a thief that come in. And a robber come in and stole the vessel out of the potter's hand. And then there was the thief that marred it. But the picture that the Lord was dealing with me this week was about that it was the potter himself who marred the vessel. Because there was something yet in the vessel that had not allowed it to take the proper shape. I wonder how many of us today can look back through trials and tests and things that we've been through. And at the time, we didn't understand it at all while we were going through it. And yet we look back and say, Lord God, I see now. After that thing is passed and I've got through it, you have helped me through that. Can you say amen to that? But it's amazing when we're going through it, it's like we can't see it. Our loss is so tremendous and our whys and wherefores and how comes become so great that we just ponder and wonder, Lord, I just don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. And look, friend, God does not get angry at us and upset at us whenever we're talking to him in such a way. It's not the word why that gets us in trouble. It's our attitude. The Lord Jesus never got in trouble when he said why, but he said it why with the right attitude. You understand? But some people, God will take their mother, he'll take their father, their husband, or wife, and well, I ain't serving God no more. I'm quitting, I'm walking away from him. I know people right here that used to come to our church, and whenever God took a mother or a loved one, they just said, well, I prayed for God to heal him, and God didn't heal him. That's the way he is. I won't serve him no more. Well, it proves they wasn't really serving him because they loved him. They were serving him because he answered prayers in the way they thought he should. And then whenever they prayed a prayer that it didn't answer that way, they ain't gonna serve him no more. If you love him, you'll serve him if he never answers another prayer in your life. Because you love him, he's not your mascot boy. He's not a Sears and Roebuck catalog or a Spiegel or something like that. But you serve him whether he heals you again, whether he does one more thing for you or not, you'll live for him the rest of your life. Because he is your everything. Notice Jeremiah said in the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Listen to this. So he made it again. You see, killed clay. Some clay will have to have a temperature of from 725 degrees to 1,000 degrees in order to cure it. 
The medium grade is even higher and the higher grade, the porcelain grade is even higher than that. Some between four and 5,000 degrees. But once the kill transforms it, it can never be malleable again. You'll never be able to take it. You know, this is why archaeological digs are so important whenever they will find it. And they go into, uh, you know, these different places, Qumran and all these different places in Israel. And they're, they're so fortunate when they're able to find the potter's field because they will find the wasters and they will find what's broken. They're able to date it according to the, the things that's there and all. And it's, it's quite amazing because they can find it and trace it back. So they find one layer, they dig on down, they find another, they find another. And they're able to trace it back and see historically where it comes to. Where it's the Hasimian age, whether it's the Babylonian age, whatever it is. And they're able to see it there because the record bears in the pottery. And many people, they walk with God. Oh, I love the Lord, I want to serve him. And they'll go through some great, tremendous trials through the fire and the kill. And then they'll say, well, that's it. I ain't serving him no more. So they're just thrown out on the sands of time as wasters. They bear a record that a potter once had his hands on their life. But look what many of them turn into when they turn away. They're worse than they were before they ever got saved. Why? They're wasters. Oh, I want to be finished, don't you? But I'll tell you, I want to be finished when it's the right time for me to be finished. I want to maintain the element about my life that I am malleable, that I am applicable into the potter's hands because if the potter needs to reshape me. I'll tell you, I've been through the potter's hands many times in my life. And I, it's not always easy to be there. Well, the potter will take you into his hands and reshape you for a purpose that is so painful. And you're trying to understand what is going on. Where are you? Why am I going through this? Why is this happening to me? And yet, you know, to keep our lives in the presence of God, to where, let me just say it this way. For you sisters and brothers that have lost a companion, and for 10 years, 20 years, 30, 40, 50, some going on 60, and that one gone out of your life. For you sisters and that man was the love of your life. You ironed his shirt, you took care of him, had done all these things. And now he's gone. He's like, what do I do? What do I live for? Where is the purpose of my life? What am I going to do? I know this may seem peculiar to you, but if you don't like it, talk to my boss. Each of us today are going to be made and remade and remade. Again and again. But if he's going to make you again as he did this vessel. But my wife, Brother Darling, my, my husband's gone. Our child is gone. And if he would have showed you that 15 years ago, 20 years ago, what would some of us done? We wouldn't have lived to even see it. We'd worried ourselves to death. I don't know about you. I'm glad I don't know the future. 
I'm glad I don't know what trials await me tomorrow or the next day or next week or next month, aren't you? I probably couldn't handle it, Brother Nathan. I'd worry myself to death. I'd fret over it. If I knew this is going to happen to you and this is going to happen to you, I, I, I love you. And I would worry over it and fret over it. I'm glad I'm not able to see it. I don't know what the future holds, but I'm glad I know who holds the future. And in that, I don't know what it holds for my life, for your life, but I believe the same God who created the heavens and the earth and molded this earth into the great existence by the speaking of the word, and he molded the first man and placed him in a house of clay. I believe that same potter has gotten my life and your life in his hands. The Lord God spoke to me years and years ago, even whenever I was in Pentecost. And I was praying about what I was going to be and what the Lord wanted me to be and all of that. Trying to find my, my niche, I guess you'd say, in the ministry. And I was, Lord, I, I don't want to be big. I don't want to be important. I, don't just, I, I just want to be what you want me to be. What do you want me to be, Lord? I don't think I'll ever forget as long as I live. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm the same Lord God. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the one who molded Jeremiah. I am the one who molded Ezekiel. I am the one who molded Moses. And I am molding you. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I've held on to that for decades. Now, he has molded me and reshaped me and molded me. And there's times that I felt like he didn't even care. He didn't even love me no more. Brother Donnie, you mean you felt like that? Yeah, I'm gonna be honest with you and tell you that I have. But that was a lying devil. Amen. He loved me before the world ever began. He loved me before I got saved. He's loved me after I got saved. He's loved me when I've messed up. He's loved me when I'm done good. He's, me he's loved me when I ain't done good. I wish somebody would say amen. And whenever he's put me up on the clay and said, now you've got a ministry and you've got friends, I'm gonna tear you all to pieces. I'm gonna turn nearly every friend you've got. And he's done me that way several times. I'm gonna turn nearly every friend you've got against you. I'm gonna make preachers try to talk you out of my will. I'm gonna make you feel like you're not even loved. Oh, I'm so glad that I didn't get out of the potter's hands and get on my little legs and walk out the potter's door and say, I ain't coming back. Aren't you glad you've done the same thing? That when the grace of God would come your way, oh, are we glad today our Lord Jesus bore the reproach? Are we glad today he did not say, all right, stop. Turn around to them Roman soldiers and say, you die. Turn to Cephasus, you die. Pilate, you die. All the rest of you die. I now ascend to my father's throne. He could have. But if he had, he would have had no bride. He knew what it was like to dwell in eternity alone. And he didn't want to go back. He knew how Adam felt in his heart when he forfeited his rights as a God. When Adam knew he had another rib, but he didn't have another feminist qualities in his spirit. So Adam faced the reality 
God will kill her. I don't want to live in paradise alone. So he walked out with his wife. And the Lord God come and settled down in front of them. And the prophet said, him looking at that love and said, I promise I will bring you back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One day our Father through the molding of the clay and the cosmic lights will bring our bodies as they should have been from the earth. The potter once again will mold into his image sons and daughters of God. My friends, no matter where you are today, you may be that marred vessel. Not marred by sin. I think this vessel is not marred because it's gone out here and backslid and, you know, pulled a big drunk and done this and that and the other and then brought back. No, it was marred by the potter. It was brought to a turning point in its life that its whole world was literally turned upside down. So here you are in the shape of a vase or a cup or a bowl. And all of a sudden, everything is tore apart about you. You don't even know who you are anymore. You don't even know what you're supposed to do anymore. And you're searching and you're hunting. But the Lord God is mindful of you today, my brother. The Lord God is mindful of you, my sister. The Lord God is mindful of you, parents, that may have lost a child. He's mindful. Let's bow our heads. Jeremiah said in the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again. Another vessel. As it seemed good to the potter to make it. I wonder if I could ask Brother Tom Horniak today, does he understand all the reasons why the Lord wanted to take Sister Mary? I'm sure he'd say, no, Brother Donnie, I don't. I loved her so much and I still love her. I could ask Brother Homer, Brother Homer, you know why the Lord took Sister Marty? I know his answer. If I could ask Brother Tim, If I could ask Brother Timothy Pruitt, Brother Timothy, you understand all the answers and all the reasons why the Lord took your mama? Y'all were so close. You loved her so much and she loved you so much. You were her boy. What about some of you? In the last year or two, we've lost, as we say, lost several in our church, gone with the way of the grave, tore your home apart, Tell your family apart, your own life, your purpose. But friends, Father still got you here. Our Papa has a reason for you being here. Oh, I wish you took me instead of taking my, my husband or my wife. I'm sure you do. I wish you just took me too. I don't want to live without them. And I'm not saying I wouldn't feel the same way if the Lord ever took my sweetheart from me. But I think we still have to come back to the spot if the Lord took your husband or your wife 
and left you here, he had a purpose in doing that. So sisters, those of you that think, what am I going to do? I don't have no other reason. Yes, you do. You just have to go back to the potter and say, potter, for decades now, I've, I've been a housewife and I was a mother and now my children are gone. But potter, what, what, what do I do now? What do I do? If you're a husband and your wife is gone, and what, what, what do I do, potter? For some, they'd never marry again. They just, they just wouldn't. For others, they would. And, and that's, that's them. They're able to find that someone that can be a friend, a companion to them. But for others, no, 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 I'd never do it, they say. I'd never do it. But then they deal with the loneliness every day. But we certainly, truly must believe that Papa has a reason for putting that vessel back on there. Molded you when you were a young girl, a young man. Molded you and shaped you to becoming a husband. Then a father. And then one day your wife is gone. Your children are gone. So, well, my purpose is all finished. No, it's not. No, the potter just has to put you back up on the wheel again and reshape you into the vessel that'll fit the rest of his will for your life. Hallelujah. And we'd like to be remembered today as we pray. Now, I know for some here in the service today and some that will stream this, this is definitely going to be more personal because they have experienced this in such a tremendous way. And some of you may be sitting here thinking, well, that, was, that service certainly wasn't for me, but it might be by next Sunday or it might be by next month. So remember, we want to take the word of the Lord and store it in our hearts. Sometimes the Lord tells us in advance, and he's giving us a little heads up, something's fixing to happen. And sometimes he tells us after it happens. Oh, my. Heavenly Father, I pray today that you'd help each of us, Lord. It's a total different story, a different parable. Then the glass that I spoke about here a couple of weeks ago that the person goes out in the barnyard and they pick up a glass and it's dirty and filthy and they take it in and wash it, which is justification. When they pick it up and they wash it, which is sanctification, and then they fill it. But this is a different parable with a different meaning. This now, Lord, is even different than a sinner being picked up. But it's a believer who has much of their life planned out. and They've been able to see much of the purpose of God in their life and all of a sudden there comes this interruption. What they think is so, so terrible. And then they have to reevaluate life and reevaluate who they are trying to sort through it all. Heavenly Father, we pray today for your help. Lord Jesus, I'm thankful today that you allowed your humanity to run so true to ours that you would weep and you would cry. You would groan in the spirit. And the prophet said whenever you told them that the maid was not dead, that she just was asleep, 
And they lied, they laughed at you to make fun of you. Brother Branham said that your face kind of turned red and like it embarrassed you. So you felt embarrassment for the word's sake. You felt sorrow. You stood there at the tomb of your friend. The shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. You knew in a few moments you would raise him from the dead. But you wept for every brother that would lose his wife. You allowed yourself to feel the pain of the loss of a loved one for every sister that would lose her husband, every mother that would lose a child, every father that would lose a child, every church that would lose its pastor. As another soldier was laid to rest his body, this week, Brother Harold Hildebrand, who stood here and preached for us and blessed us, Yet he's come home to his reward. No doubt as Brother Tim is going to speak there today and there'll be heavy hearts and tears trickling out of people's eyes. Loved ones and friends, you allowed yourself to feel that loss for us. So when we cry, you allowed yourself not only to say why, but to feel why. There's a difference in saying why and feeling why. And you felt why. Why has thou forsaken me? Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm so sorry the pain was so great. I'm so sorry you were despised. I'm so sorry. I know now it's, it's a memory. But I'm so glad you were willing. You could not have bled as a pillar of fire. But you needed a human vessel. You could have spoke us into existence in the form of theophany. And we would have bypassed all the trouble. But you wanted us to have human temples. Human bodies. So you brought us through the earth and we bypassed our theophany. I know it looks so painful now, so sad, but whenever it's all said and done and we gather together and there we will stand, see Gene, theophany, glorified body, and we'll look back for the threefold purpose of God and we'll say, how great it was. How great is your plan. Thank you, Lord. We love you today, Father. May we stand our feet. I'm sure all of us, if we're Christians today, can agree with this. How many wants the Lord to help you to be able to be as a piece of malleable clay, to be shaped and molded, on the wheel of the potter. Now, I know it's scary. It's scary. It is to say, Father, whatever you want to do. To say, my wife is in your hands, Father. My baby that I love so very much. My husband that is so dear. 
scary, isn't it? Brother Stewart, it kind of makes us feel funny in our hearts. Because we think, oh, Lord, no, 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 please, God, no, no. But we can trust him, Brother Harvey. We can trust him. If we can't trust him with our wife or our children, can we trust him with our soul? Can we trust him that there is a place called heaven? We can trust him. And there's a rest, friends. Oh, my. Praise God. Would you mind just laying your hand on the person standing near you there? You know, Paul says, may the God of all comfort comfort you. Whatever you're dealing with today, maybe it's not a loved one, maybe it's something else, but it's so tearing at your heart. You've been disappointed by a friend or let down by someone, and it's just broken you. Let's just pray today for each other, shall we? Heavenly Father, I know this has not been a great deep sermon. It's not been one that we'll talk about for weeks and months to come, no doubt. But Lord, it's what you placed on my heart. So that's all the leading I need is from you. It'll not be one that People say, oh, my, I remember that sermon Brother Donnie preached. Oh, my. No, it won't be one of them. But it was one that you wanted to send to some of your hearts. I told Carol, she said, you preached on the potter? I said, well, I wasn't. But I said, apparently the Lord wanted some more said about it. So, Jesus, I've said it. I pray today, Father. May each one of us be willing to say, Lord, take me, mold me. The potter knows the clay. You know the clay, so it would be against your wisdom to take a child, a husband, a wife, a loved one, and knowing it would destroy us. No. But you see the bigger picture somehow, it'll make us better. As I sat with my little buddy a couple weeks ago and we cried together and talked together. Lord God, I pray, comfort all the hearts of those, Lord Jesus. Oh, shape us, Father. Mold us. If you need people that can bear the reproach of the word. We'll be willing, Lord. Oh, yes, we're willing. If you want people to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. and Yeah, oh, all of us want that for sure. We all want to be recognized that God heard my prayer when I prayed for so-and-so. But Lord God, if you need preachers that can be cast out, if you need somebody in the message that can be run down, if you need somebody, Lord, that will be smitten help us to be willing to do that as well we love you Lord Jesus would you bring comfort to every heart today would you bring peace that we're able with all of our hearts to say God I commit my entire life I commit my family my business our church we commit everything we are into your loving care, great potter. 
knowing that you make no mistakes. Heal the broken. Encourage those today, Father, that need it. Oh, Jesus, we worship you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Brother Aaron, maybe you and Sister Lindsay can sing that song for us. The potter knows the clay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord God. We bless your name today, Lord Jesus. Mold us, Father. Shape us into that which pleases you, Lord. Take our lives, Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. Heal through us. Love through us. Touch through us, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you all for doing this. Hoping to put you on the spot, Sister Haven. God bless you. Let's just let the song minister to our hearts today. Don't you love and appreciate his mercy and kindness to us? God bless you all. I know you're going through I know you're going through the fire It's getting hard to stand the heat But even harder is the wondering Is God's hand still on me? It's lonely in the flames when you're counting days of pain, but the potter knows the clay, how much pressure it can take, how many times around the Submission to His will. He's planned a beautiful design, but it'll take some fire and time. It's gonna be okay, cause the potter knows the clay. I just came through that fire Not too very long ago And looking back I can see why And that my God was in control days I cried, oh Lord, isn't it about time? But the potter knows the clay, 
much pressure it can take how many times around the wheel till there's submission to his will he's planned a beautiful design but it'll take some fire and time
to him a vessel unworthy so scarred by sin but he did not despair he started this morning he didn't throw us away amen i know his molding it hurts it tears us apart sometimes but thank god that he's still the potter even though we're broken he's still molding us amen aren't you so glad this morning for his word 
Amen. Just want to say once again, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers this morning. Amen. I trust you enjoy your day today. Any visitors that are with us this morning, uh, we thank you for coming. Appreciate you being here with us. Those that are streaming as well. Amen. Let's sing that little chorus that we sang earlier today. Every praise, every praise is due our God. Let's sing that this morning as you go. Amen. Oh, every praise is to our God. Every word of worship in one accord. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Sing hallelujah to our God. Glory hallelujah is to our God. Every praise, every praise is to our God.
God. 